Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on with Chizo and JB. How was your week there, JB? Yeah, not too bad, actually. I had a couple of underperforming premiums like everyone else, but I was able to scrape through with 22.37 and get my rank up to 6.04. So, um, a solid a solid round considering there, were a lot, there was a lot of rut carnage this week. Um, I saw you posted a pretty big score, mate. How'd you go? Yeah, cracked the 23.50 mark this week. We raised up a uh, another bunch of spots, so getting right up to the pointy end. Uh, we might as well jump straight into the uh, the round review here, mate. Uh, great game between Sydney and Collingwood. The Pies taking the points uh, by a single point, in fact, and a lot of our premiums uh, pulled out some really good numbers for us. Yeah, the usuals were up to their antics again this week with Pendles, Adams, both scoring over 120 and Trelaw posting that low ton that he does of 49 touches and 7 goals. So um, just the standard outing for most people. Um, it was good to see Hatterbury ton up after his slow start to the season. You'd be having a nightmare if you traded him out early. Um, you just got to trust your premiums, don't you, mate? And uh, well, yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, Will Hoskin Elliott was absolutely everywhere to start the game. He had 10 disposals and I think it was like 6 or 7 marks in the opening quarter. Then went quiet until it was t- his time again to kick the sealer. Yeah, he was lucky he got on that sealer because he was on about 40 before he kicked it. So um, very, very lucky us people that traded in Hoskin Elliott during the week thinking he'd uh, post those 80s. He did need the sealer to take it, but um, got to the 70s, which is, is good enough. And a man that we're going to talk about later on, Brody Grundy posted a ton, which is uh, very good signs for those who are considering him for one of the struggling ruckmen. He's basically the only uh, probably premium price ruckman from the start of the year that is actually performing like we thought he would with uh, Goldstein and uh, Grundy. Uh, sorry, Goldstein and Gorn. The uh, just basically fallen off a cliff, absolute cliff. They just uh, nose dive without a parachute, mate. Yeah, well, Gorney, I feel bad for him. He, he did start well, but that hammy is going to hold him out for a long, long, long time. So um, Goldstein was somewhat predictable with Proust, but no one knew Proust was going to explode like this. It's been um, it's been pretty much Grundy and Stefan Martin that have just run out the blocks. Yeah, and uh, good old Prucey comes from Townsville up here and uh, chatting to a few blokes who used to play with him uh, when he was younger. He uh, was an absolute athletic beast and uh, that's kind of what we're seeing in the uh, the AFL. He's got a really good uh, ground level skills being able to work around below the knees and that long bomb he kicked from, you know, 60, 70 metres out is just just showing why he's getting so much game time even with a, a previous All-Australian ruckman in, uh, in Goldstein in the team. Yeah, and a lot of people would have been cursing him after he put that bomb right over Goldie's head. So, um, no, nah, he's, <laughs> he's just taking that rock roll um, by the mantle and just run with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also from the that uh, Giants game uh, with North, Heath Shaw, his, uh, his role seems to have uh, slightly changed. He's only averaging 87 this year. Um, for for the same for the same score, you could have got Andy Alton, who was you know two hundred um, less than two hundred thousand dollars to start of the year. Are we seeing a, a changing of the guard with that um that that quarterback at the at the Gold Coast? Uh, sorry, the, the the GWS team out of the uh, the back line. Unfortunately, it did actually look a lot like they were trying to get the ball into Zach Williams' hands over Heath Shaw, which is very worrying signs. But, I mean, Heath Shaw's been at it for how many years now? Um, I dare say he'll be able to post that 100 average by the end of the season, and he'll be among the top six defenders, no doubt. So those who spent the big cash on him expecting a huge start, they'll be disappointed, but um, just hold tight, and he'll definitely bounce back. 
Yeah, just like you said a moment ago, you got to back in your premium. So uh, none of these guys are just uh, dumping him out and just trying to pick up another player. We've seen a few a few suggested trades from the inbox of going uh, down to Newman this week from Heater, and I think that's just uh, kind of crazy, mate, there. Oh, it is insane. I mean, you might as well just waste all your trades before, before <laughs> the buyers. Jumping into uh, Richmond and West Coast, another fantastic game. Um, Daniel Rioli, not so much on a, a super coach standpoint, but isn't he just living up to the Rioli name? Oh, he lit it up as well. And he was just, uh, there was one contest that, where he picked it up and he just took two backward steps and destroyed the defender. And I think it was even Hearn or something like that. So not no one that isn't experienced, that's for sure. And he just looks wicked. Like He's got that step that every... Um, every sort of indige player comes into the league with so it's just it's awesome to see him tear players up yeah absolutely Dusty Martin had an absolute stellar game putting up another 40 disposals 33 kicks 21 contested possessions 15 clearances 9 inside 50s 3 marks 5 tackles 2 goals he is basically he, he'd be pretty close to uh, 9 Brownlow votes at this stage for Dusty Martin he is just absolutely on fire and this is uh, just like round 1 is basically as overall performance you can get particularly when we were thinking you might be uh, playing a little bit more forward with that fractured eye socket he's a freak he's honestly on another level this year and to think that he will be anywhere below the top uh, 7 or 8 midfielders you'd be crazy to call it from there now so um, he's just started like a house on fire and as is his captain who scored 125 this game as well so um, good signs for a lot of the Richmond players can they keep up this undefeated run though um, I'd like to see Toby Nankovic score really well in a loss as well yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, there's obviously, uh, with most players, there's a differential between your winning scores um, and uh, scores when you're losing. Uh, there's usually a, a, a differential. And having that that small standard deviation between wins and losses is uh, critical for a good super coach player on your team. Someone that is having a, a, a poor standard differential, even in wins for the Tigers, is Josh Caddy. Only putting up 35 super coach points on the weekend. And at this point of the season, we're basically... Is it too late to kind of realize that we've maybe made a mistake and you know him only gathering 15 touches four tackles no marks or goals you know he's uh it's a decision on whether we have to uh keep him in the side or try and find move him on or and find someone else because so far the uh caddyshack just isn't working out for us yeah i mean it's too early to say it's a failed experiment although he has lost you a bit of money um, you definitely need to just back in your picks. You can't be burning trades this early. I mean, as we saw with Gorn, if you started the season with him, you would have locked him away and said 22 rounds, like, see you later, not touching him. But as you see, the unpredictable happens and he does his hammy and you need an hour to trade him out. So um, those trades are more valuable than people uh, suspect and they always think, oh, an injury isn't going to happen to me. But lo and behold, even the most durable players get injured, so... Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll jump into probably one of the uh, most uh, important games of the round, which was the Cats and Melbourne. Melbourne really should have put them away by halftime with all the extra scoring shots, but Dangerfield and Selwood really dragged them over the line again. Uh, another 140 score-ish from Dangerfield. Selwood another 100 plus. Parfit putting up a ton uh, or 99 for us was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Gorn, just the, uh, the, the, the mid-20s. He's definitely one we're going to have to talk about um, uh, later in the podcast, what we would do with him. Uh, Clayton Oliver, again, putting up another ton. He started off the season really, really well. And uh, the owners that 
started with him would be fan uh, absolutely over the moon, but I don't think at this stage we'd be suggesting going to get him based on what we're seeing here, um, here JB. It's not not kind of a, a scoring that I think he can maintain for the entire year. And definitely not after a price uh, rise, you wouldn't be looking at him. But the good thing about Clayton for his owners was he was having a stinker until the last um, quarter and a half, two quarters, in which he really picked it up and somehow ended up cracking the tunnel anyway. So... Great signs of perseverance from him. And one of the other biggest stories out of this was Zach Tui was really, really lowered this um, this week. And those who traded him in and after that first round with that inflated score uh, with that third quarter goal, um, those that trade at that start of the year with him will be thinking maybe, maybe he'll be a failed experiment now. Yeah, only scores of 60 to 70, which uh, with Zach Tui is kind of what you expect. Those that were going in hoping that he was going to be a season-long keeper, I think, are regretting that choice. Um, we'll jump on to the next game. Basically, uh, the best game of the round here. Did you catch any of that? Did you actually make it over there to the game? Or were you watching it live, or did you get stuck watching it on TV? No, I actively avoid those, those showdown games because, as you saw, I'm sure the footage got around to everyone on Facebook. There are a couple of fights breaking out, and it just it gets too edgy for me. Um, just a couple of mates around my place for the weekend. Um, but it was great to see, and although Port did lose, I think we showed great signs. So Crows are obviously a, a, um, the superior team to most in the competition, so it was good to see us go with him for a while. And out of this game, it was it was mostly the rookies that stood up, and Andy Otten with a big score, and Hampton finally showing us that he can put together a decent score. It was, it was really good signs. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Those that had uh, the Sloan Ranger in their team, uh, I know Houston had uh, Rory Sloan as his captain this week for 170-odd points. is just absolutely amazing. Uh, Hampton in the 80s, Otten a ton up. Um, Laird a little bit under with uh, an 80 to 90 score, but um, you've got Dan Houston, which we were touching on during the week. We're a little bit curious about his job security considering that Pittard played in the Sandfall. Uh, he put up another 70-ish score which is uh, fantastic and, and made money for the owners that, that did have him. Um, Brett Eddy was a little bit unders. What did you see from uh, a Ports fan side of things? It, it, was it just a, the, the pressure of the game that, say, he and Powell Pepper didn't quite get the run of the mill? Or um, is it, were they just having a down game? Or is it something that is we should be worrying about for, say, Brett Eddy's spot on the side? Yeah, people tend to underestimate the actual pressure in a showdown. And although it just seems like another game, it really isn't to the players. It's built up like a grand final during the week. So... Um, Eddie not able to um, live up to that hype of the showdown and had a bit of a down game. I wouldn't be too concerned with his job security considering players like Amon um, play considerably worse than Eddie. Um, but it wasn't great to see him not even get on the board. So a bit worrying. Sam Pepper though, um, I think all the attention on him during the week sort of made Crows pay a bit more attention to him in the game. So um, hopefully that's just a one-week downer and he's back next week. Yeah, cool. All right, mate. Uh, the next game, Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs. A little bit surprising that uh, the Bulldogs got out to a lead towards the uh, the start of the fourth quarter and somehow Fremantle just ran over the top of them when Fremantle is known for not really running very hard on the field at all. No, and I'm going to mark this game as the game that made me give up footy tipping for the year. This is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, the Collingwood one hit me while I was down after the last two weeks. And then this one was just an absolute kick in the guts. I could not believe it. Um, 
but players like Fife and Sanderlands, the old the old reliables, really stood up. And Bonson Pelly continuing his um, one touch for thirty point type season this year, he's just super coach, super coach gold. Absolutely, and you know the the normal uh, your, your normal suspects, Dalhouse and McRae, putting up tons, which was fantastic to see. There a lot of play, a lot of teams went in this season with both Dalhouse and McRae, and they're they're both averaging basically a hundred so far this season. So you'd be very happy if you went in there with both. Um, with the the Saints and Brisbane, quite a hot uh, contest there until late when the Saints kicked away. Brisbane had a, a few youngsters there that have really really put up some uh, uh, some decent uh, decent numbers to start with. McCluggage put up a 40-odd. Um, Jared Berry put up a 30-odd in their first games. Uh, Rockcliffe a ton. Beams another ton, which is fantastic for the owners that have him. Zorko probably a little down, um, only with a, a low 100 score. And uh, Montagna and Rewalt leading the way with 150 pluses. Yeah, and I mean, it was def- it was good to see Barrow also crack that 70 mark. Um, he hadn't shown great signs in the first couple of rounds, so to see him do well in this game... Um, was just excellent and players like Steele getting um, up towards the 90 scores again um, it's not something this game really marked um, a thought for me it was that Steele we went in thinking he may be a keeper and after that first round we really got excited but then he scores how he did last week and then how he did this week and you start to think no he's just a good stepping stone so it's, it's a good wake up call from Steele um, but he'll he'll continue to score those nineties um, and high eighties until we need to upgrade him. Because he's a, a so much more of a contested player, I'm I'm wondering whether having Armitage and Stephen out is actually hurting rather than uh, helping his scores. Because now he is has to take so much of a, a more important role in that midfield lineup that he's not having that ability to be that extra man at a contest and rip the ball out from underneath someone's arms and get that contested possession that way. He really has to kind of be first to the ball and get it out rather than being able to use his skills. To, uh, to accrue points that way. So um, it's not all doom and gloom for those with steel owners. I know a lot of people uh, have been uh, inboxing the page asking, you know, who we should trade him to. But as you say, he's a really good stepping stone and uh, we should definitely be keeping him. Um, mate, I think you need to run us through the next game because I don't even want to talk about it. It was it was horrible for me to watch Carlton and Essendon. Just take it away, mate. I'm just going to block my ears for a moment. Yeah, you need, you need to have a spell for this one, buddy. But um, yes, Carlton Essendon, it was probably the scrappiest game you'll ever see in the history of football. Um, Mark Murphy didn't really care. He posted another massive score, which is it's unbelievable how well he started the season. Whether you can keep it up is definitely questionable. Um, Sam Doherty posted a ton under the conditions, which is excellent. And I mean, it was just the old reliables for Essendon getting it done. Zach Merritt, posted a good score in a loss which is always good signs for those who own him um Heppel was a little down but nothing too concerning it was a bit of a non-game for Supercoach. like players like Marchbank and McCrady didn't really get up and about due to the weather conditions yeah, Jared Pickett put up another thirty score. So uh, I'd wondered, I'd like to know what his standard deviation is because he's averaging about thirty-two. I think he's uh, he's put up like three thirty to thirty-twos in a row, something like that. Um, Sam Petrovsky, yeah, Samo Petrovsky, Seaton, a hundred and ten plus score. Really getting to uh, to see exactly why Carton was uh, so keen to get him with their their first selection in the draft. Yeah, definitely. He looked excellent out there. Um, someone that actually adapted well to the conditions and to do that as uh, such a young rookie, um, very, very good signs for Blues owners. And those who uh, decide to roll the dice on the expensive 
rookie without seeing him play a JLT game. They'll be licking their lips now. Yeah. Uh, the final match of the round, uh, Gold Coast Suns and Hawthorne. The Hawthorne dynasty is officially over. Getting beaten by the Suns like that, that has announced that it is now a time for change. And the Hawthorne that we thought we knew is no longer there, JB. If I hadn't already given up my tippings from the Bulldogs Fremantle game, <laughs> this made me do it. This tipped me over the edge. Um, a classic Swallow versus Omira battle in this game. We'll talk about that a bit later. Um, Jared Witts was just outstanding. Again, Gary Ablett turned back the clock, clock after all the um, speculation during the week on him. And from from a Tom Mitchell owner's perspective, it was just good to see him turn up in such a heavy loss. Um, there were good signs and bad signs from this game, but most of them were as expected, I'd say. Yeah, a few rookies did score poorly. TMI's only putting up a 20. Uh, Jack Bowers uh, only putting up a 40-ish score. Um, it was definitely uh, interesting with O'Meara. You could see that he wasn't really uh, there mentally, I guess you could say, uh, with only a 40-ish score, 44, something around there, and he just didn't really seem to bring it. Whereas you look at Dave Swallow, uh, like conversely, he was hard at the contest. He was vocal around the ground. He wanted the ball. He wanted to... Uh, I think it, he really wanted to come out of the blocks and, and show that why he uh, was such a good player those few years ago. And for those that uh, that didn't start with him, I really, really think, you know, he's a bubble boy now. He's got that low break even. Everyone's trying to jump on board. And, you know, I, I, I'm finding it hard to argue if you've got the right structure and you can go get a David Swallow. It could be interesting to see what he could do. Like, because uh, uh, as I said all season, I don't see him going under 90, 95. And his first two games have already yielded an average of uh, 90. So um, that's really, really good. Um, one that everyone was jumping off to get Will Hoskin Elliott, Jordan, uh, Jared Ruffhead, putting up basically a ton, 99, something around there, there, JB. Yeah. And he was another one where it was strange to see where his scoring was coming from. But those who owned him and stayed. Uh, true to him they'll be very very happy with that in a loss um, he played a lot forward but also ran a lot through the midfield which we didn't really see much in the JLT so uh, very good signs from Ruffy and if you persisted with him you've done a great job holding a trade there yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, we'll just touch on to the uh, the Cancer Council. Uh, we've topped over 500 bucks, had a few more fantastic donators. Uh, Jack putting in another Zach Jones tax. Uh, basically, he, he hasn't had a week off from donating so far because if uh, Zach Jones isn't making, mu- isn't making uh, 90 plus scores, he's got donuts from Goldie. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, if there's any weeks in the future where, where Jack doesn't have to donate. Um, so guys, if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider donating to the Cancer Council. None of the money comes through us. It goes straight to Cancer Research. And uh, Harry's still going well in uh, in Brisbane. He's still feeling a little bit crook from the chemo, but uh, things are going well. So we'll check in with him a little bit further down the track. JB, I want to talk about a few rookies before we get into the uh, the serious questions over Gorn and O'Meara and, and the, the premium or sub-premium like that. Rookies this, uh, this week that we're looking at, we'll start from... Uh, start from the back line Nick Newman 124,000 he's averaging 89 from his two games with Sydney a break even of negative 106 is he a must yeah and I mean I'm not sure there are any other rookies you could even talk about because he's just come out the blocks uh, on fire so um, just two very very solid scores especially last week in a loss against Collingwood he was outstanding Um, he was pretty much everywhere uh, it's just there's not really much you can say more to pump this kid up. He, to me, I'd, I'd lock him in. I'd try and get him in as 
any way you possibly could. Um, no one will really have two other pressing pressing issues in their team this week. I mean, a lot of people will be dealing with Gorn, but I'd definitely be utilizing my other trade to get Newman in. We won't see cash gen like this from many other rookies this year. Yeah, and the one thing I, I noted from watching that game is Nick Newman's foot skills are absolutely sublime. He, he's got a bit of a Matt Suckling about with that, that left boot, where rather than kind of, you know, running and kicking in a straight line, He's got a kind of that cross-the-body kicking action, and for some reason, it just reminded me of Matt Suckling with his like his laser left foot. And uh, he, his foot skills are, are quite good. He was uh, quite aggressive at the ball, um, kicked a kicked a sausage roll as well. Nick Newman, I, I was a little bit concerned that Jeremy Laidler might take his spot back from Nick Newman, but I think he's done enough to keep him out. And uh, Laidler didn't set the world set the world on fire in the uh, the Neefel on the weekend, so I think Nick Newman's one to have a look at. What about those with Andy Otten there, there, JB? We said last week that we weren't entirely sure you could buy into him um, if you didn't start with him. But, you know, now he's gone up, you know, 80-odd thousand dollars, is averaging 83 and break-even of negative 87. Is this the last chance to get him if you haven't got him already? Um, I don't think so. I think now if you don't have him, you focus on getting that Nick Newman in. Um He's already had such a big price rise that new more um, experience, something similar to next week. You've already missed the boat, unfortunately, if you ask me. I mean, I'm not sure what sort of players you'd be trading to him. I definitely wouldn't consider a March bank to him. Um, it's pretty much just if you didn't get him in last week, if you didn't back him in to play and to score well, you've, um, you've definitely cost yourself a good cash cow. But... As we said earlier, the um, it's not all dull news considering Nick Newman has just bounced out of nowhere and is showing us a good option. Yeah. Um, so for particular uh, coaches that are looking to get Nick Newman in, uh, would you think, uh, say, uh, say uh, uh, a Joel Smith from Melbourne, if you had held him that week to see if any of the options were any good, um, or say uh, a Mitch Hibbard, would you would you think about a Mitch Hibbard who hasn't had a price rise, he's not injured, but he's just not being selected? Would you go, say, a Mitch Hibbard to Nick Newman? Is that a, a trade that you'd entertain? Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. If I had Joel Smith, first of all, I'd, I'd 100% like that. In, I wouldn't even look at anything else. Um, secondly, with Mitch Hibbert, it's it's very interesting. If he does get selected this week, I'd be more inclined to hold him than I would Jared Pickett. Um, so it does come a lot down to the selection table. If you can mix your rookies around and get Pickett back there and Newman in for him, um, I'd entice you to do that over Hibbert. Um, but if he's not selected this week, it just seems like one of the easiest trades of all time. You just do it. You get that cash gen in. You get that playing... Uh, defensive rookie in and you just ride with it yeah and it's one of those things it's more of a corrective trade than it is anything else because um, you know last week when we were fixing up our rookies as well this week just just as much so if you do have that that uh, that player in the back line that you do need to fix up it is a corrective trade getting a Nick Newman if he is selected again and the, the, the fantastic thing is with his break even he is just going to absolutely skyrocket so even if we only get another two to three weeks out of him he's going to make you 150k which is uh, uh, you know money is going to be very hard to come by this year um, Curly Hampton uh, minus twenty seven break even, averaging sixty six. He's a, another another player that's gone up uh, fifty thousand or so. Um, Tom Stewart had a bit of a down game. He's only averaging in the mid forties now. He's got a positive break even of five. Caleb Marchbank with that slight down game. He did go up in price, but he's only uh, got a break even of positive twenty five now. Same with uh, Andrew McGrath. A uh, little bit of a down game in the wet, so he's in the positive 26 mark. Uh, we'll jump into the midfield rookie options 
Ravens now. Uh, I'll start with David Swallow. He's on the bubble this week, averaging 102, uh, minus 42 break even. What do you think about uh, some uh, some coaches that have been suggesting they need to trade to farm to get David Swallow in this week, JB? It's another situation of I'm not actually sure who you'd trade in for him. Um, uh, sorry, trade out for him. Um, if you had gone and you were contemplating getting Swallow in for him via a lot of DPP moves, I can almost see why you do that, but I'd still advise against it. Swallow played in a game where they thrashed a team that has been obviously... Um, have been who they are, Hawthorne. So um, he played in, in a game like that. Gold Coast aren't going to play in too many of those games. Um, I just think his score's a little too inflated for my liking, and I, I wouldn't be trading too many players out. I wouldn't be trading a playing player out this week uh, to get David Swallow in. Well, I'll tell you one of the most common trades this week. The seventh most common trade is trading out Jaeger O'Meara and trading in David Swallow. And I'm really not a fan of that trade in that respect. Like, Jaeger O'Meara, yes, he's only averaging 70. He's got a break-even of positive 58. But you've got to remember that this guy you picked up as someone that would start slow and get better during the year. The, the, the price tag that we got him for is so far under what he can produce. And we've already seen him put up some decent numbers. He got it in a game where he was not mentally there, coming back to a, a home where he, he has just walked out on, and they got absolutely smashed, and he just wasn't there. for it. Like, Jaeger, The real Jaeger O'Meara didn't turn up for this game, and I think in, in weeks coming down, uh, like weeks coming up, we'll see a better performance from Jaeger, so I wouldn't jump ship just yet, um, particularly because, as you said, that, that score is inflated from David Swallow, and if you come out expecting him to put up 100-plus scores every week from now on I think you're you're kidding yourself a little bit as good as David Swallow is like um, he I don't think he's def, he's definitely not going to be a keeper for the year so it's just one to, to watch out on uh, another couple uh, uh, midfielders in the, in the negatives um, Ben Ainsworth missed last week with a corked quad he's still negative 27 uh, Sam Powell Pepper negative 26 he's gone up uh, after his 73 average over the first three rounds he's gone up 73k something around there Jake Barrett again there Jake be minus 25 he's starting to uh even those uh super coach scores to his dream teams because i think he's a he's averaging 75 ish in uh in fantasy and dream team but his uh, his super coach scores thus far have been lagging behind yeah i mean and he just needs one more week of getting a 70 and that um poor score from two weeks ago will drop out of his price range and you'll start seeing some serious cash generation from him um it was good to see him hold his spot and it was definitely good to see him do well in a loss so um, all good signs from Barrett for me. Yeah. Uh, two of the uh, the mid-priced guys that we're looking at to start the year at, at 432k, pretty much everyone would have picked Dane Beams over Mark Murphy, but it couldn't be further from the truth how they've started this year. Dane Beams, while he is averaging 106 and has got a break-even of only 41, Mark Murphy has just come out of the blocks, absolutely firing. He's averaging 142 over the first three rounds. He's got a break-even of just nine if you want him, you've got to get him this week because he's going to be too expensive based on his last uh, two, like his rolling average now that he's got all those big scores running through it. Yeah, it's amazing how well he's actually started. Um, in the preseason, I remember talking about him with you uh, in the Mid-Prices podcast, and I sort of wrote him off a lot considering he hadn't actually done anything crazy in the last couple of years. 
it's, it's just really turning back the clock and I'm I'm waiting for it to end to be honest it was like Jared Waite last year where he it honestly just didn't end for a good seven or eight rounds um I feel like Murphy will end soon um maybe it's because Cripps is getting more of the midfield attention um it could be a number of things, but I don't think he can keep it up for too much longer. Absolutely. Uh, looking into the rucks, you've got Braden Proust. He's already had a price jump averaging 80 with a, a negative break even of negative 82. Jared Witts has been a, a fantastic mid-price selection thus far for those that are having him at R2 or R3, negative 43 break even, averaging 98. He's been, uh, for those that were tossing up between uh, starting with uh, premium rucks or starting with mid-priced in the rucks, this week, this year, the Sandland Wits combo, uh, or even the uh, the Nankervis Wits combo, looks to be the winner here so far. JB. Yeah, if you started with the um, Sandy and Wits combo, in, even Nank in the forward line as well, you'd really just be licking your lips at this point. It was looking very, very, um, very, very dangerous with um, Gorn and Goldstein both turning up in that first round, but with Gorn going down with this injury and Goldstein really being affected by Proust now. Um, those that started with the three or two of the three, whichever they may, may be, they are really honestly just um, reaping the rewards at the moment. Yeah, so we might as well touch on it now. Max Gorn, he's obviously uh, been announced that he's out for the next three months requiring surgery on the tendon in his hamstring. He's got a break-even of 209, so he's going to lose cash but the thing is, he's not going to lose cash until he's playing. So potentially, if you have a Braden Proust on the bench and you have other things um, that are more pressing, say you need to fix up some rookies, say uh, you don't have a Nick Newman, uh, you don't have uh, a David Swallow, you could potentially look at getting one of these guys if you've got a, a Braden Proust or a Jared Witts on the bench and hold Max Gorn for a week or two while you fix up other things in your side because he's not going to be losing you cash at this stage, JB. Uh, or would you just be looking to uh, using one of your two trades this week and picking someone else? Yeah, not necessarily. And if I had a wits on the bench, I'd be trading Gorn and getting him onto another line um, and getting in a straight premium for him, keeping wits and chucking him on the field because he looks outstanding. Um, with Bruce, yeah, I can definitely understand why some people would uh, just field him for the one week and uh, attend to more pressing issues. So one of the interesting ones uh, that we were talking about early today before the podcast was that uh, say you had Nankervis, uh, say you had, a, um, you had your combination in the ruck is Max Gorn and Aaron Sandlands and to cover Aaron Sandlands uh, you had Nankervis in the forward line and you had the R3 donut. So you had, you're forced to trade Max Gorn this week. There's the consideration with the DPP, you could go Max Gorn out, take Nankervis into the forward line and then you have the option of choosing a premium in another line that you know, Max Gorner's price tag you can basically pick any premium you want bar the very top echelon in the midfield you could pick uh, say you've missed out on a, a Dalhouse um, a, a McRae uh, any one of the top forward lines you like or you could even put one of your DPP from the midfield uh, so, uh, from the midfield into your forward line and then get one of the uh, the midfielders, say you're really hot on a Mark Murphy um, or a Dane Beams or someone that you've missed, um, you could really use that DPP switch at this stage to try and um, fix up the, the, the aspects of your team that you're not so happy with knowing that you can be comfortable with these, uh, these mid-priced ruckmen uh, that are scoring quite successfully in our ruck lines. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, this is huge. If you started with the flexibility to push someone into your ruck um, in case Sanderlands went down, 
Um, it's not going to be for Sandilands in the end, but it just shows how important that flexibility is to have. Um, I'd definitely recommend if you had Nank in your forward line, um, chucking him into the rucks for now. I mean, you can always trade um, out of him being into the rucks um, in a week's time or so when the opportunity arises. But I'd get him out of your ruck, uh, out of your forward line for now, and really, really just search for who you think is going to be a top, top, top echelon player um, for the rest of the season. Buy structure in mind, and just really go for an uber premium that you um, consider will even land in the top. It's a real opportunity to get in a player that you missed out on from round one, like Bontempelli. Um Do you have any other big options there, Chizo? I think for those that that didn't start with uh, say Nankervis or they didn't have that they don't have that DP DPP switch available. Um, I think the two obvious options is Brody Grundy. He's one that has been uh, touted to be a, a fantastic ruckman at the start of the year. He started very well, 107, uh, a break even of uh, 68. So he's going up in price with his scores at the moment. I think he would be a relevant straight swap. One that's kind of uh, got me out of left field. I, uh, based on his scores from last year, I thought, you know, he's done. He won't be another a, a relevant ruckman again. He's 30 years and above. Stefan Martin... Averaging 116 to start the year, break even of 50. Could we go to the burn man there, JB? He he really hurt a lot of teams last year. Do we have the balls to go, uh, say, a Max Gorn, who we thought was uh, so reliable, to a Stefan Martin, who's the, actually the highest scoring, uh, highest averaging ruckman so far in 2017? Yeah, and the big thing with these guys are they're, they're ruckmen, both Brody Grundy and Stefan Martin, and they're the leading ruckmen um, that gather disposals in the game at the moment. So... Um, what they produce around the ground is just second to none amongst anyone else of their craft. And with no third man up rule anymore, um, tampering with these guys' hit outs, I reckon Steph Martin and Brody Grundy are both be- excellent options. If I were to choose one of the two, I'd lean towards Steph because he just has that raw um, of two years ago scoring um, history. Um, but then again, Brody Grundy is just such an up comer that you, you can't really... Uh, look at his previous scores, but look at what he can do and will do in the future. So um, it's a real toss-up between the two. I'd prefer Steph Martin. He didn't burn me that year, so um, I'm not too salty at him. But either option could just be massive for you for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably a little bit bigger on Brody Grundy, as he said, because I, I did get burned by Stefan Martin uh, when he... I, uh, I'm a little bit... <laughs> Uh, I'm a little bit bigger on Brody Grundy just because of how big his second half of last year was and we have seen what he can do. He's an up-and-coming ruckman, as you say. Uh, Stefan Martin uh, did burn me last year. I am a little bit worried uh, exactly the role that is going to be played further on to the season with a developing developing ruckman's, uh, ruckman that Brisbane have. So I'd probably go Brody Grundy just for that aspect with the, the youth and the less injury factors uh, on his side. Um, the only other ruck issue uh, is top. Todd Goldstein, only averaging 78 so far. He's got a break-even 186. He's plummeting in cash. Do we jump or ju- jump off board or, or do we stay firm there, JB? This is a big call. All right, so a word of advice to all those who own Goldstein at the moment. I'm looking at trading Goldstein in as soon as he bottoms out. He's going to be one of my main targets. Um, I know Bruce is hampering him at the moment, but... I can't, I'm just unsure on how long they'll actually keep going with that. One bad game for Paris and a big loss for North Melbourne, and he's going to be dropped before Goldstein is. So um, it's very, it's very uh, hard to call. Um, 
the best bit of advice I can give with not owning him is just to stay firm for now. Um, at least get a couple more weeks of. Um, I know like you're going to suffer in price if he doesn't start scoring well, um, but just just see how it's going. Um, really test the waters with him. Be patient. Um, it's like any other premium, like Hanbury, um, where we thought his role would change at the start of the season. Um, they come good at some point, so just be patient with him. Um, if he gives you another couple of weeks of really bad scores, then that's when the danger signs start ringing for me. Yeah, the last Ruckman that I want to touch on, Aaron Sanderlands, averaging 93, break-even of uh, 32. He's uh, basically just doing what we expected. We weren't asking him to put up 120 scores every week. We just wanted Sanderlands to front up week in, week out. And we, we know with the new uh, third-man-up rules that he's basically guaranteed to average 90-plus. And for his price of 300k to start the year, I'm, I'm really happy with how Aaron Sanderlands is going. And I, after his, his low score last week, we did see quite a number of coaches trading out. But I, I think that's the wrong option. Uh, we'll jump finally into the the forward line and have a look at the uh, have a look at the break evens there. Will Haywood on the bubble this week? One hundred and twenty one thousand thousand dollars, sixty six average, negative sixty one. He's actually looked really really good for Sydney. He's uh, really lively, very quick. Um, one to definitely have a look at. Dan Houston held his spot. Interesting to see if he gets knocked out of the uh, Port Adelaide lineup this week with uh, the. Um, uh, Pittard coming back, negative uh, 41 break even. Brandon Parfit, uh, absolutely fantastic game on the weekend. He, he really did look uh, like a lively type. Uh, JB putting up a, a 99, basically uh, I'll round him up to 100. He put up a ton on the weekend and he just looked fantastic. The the funniest thing that I saw was, uh, I think it was uh, Jack Viney and Alex Neil Ball and um, tried to sandwich him with a, a dual bump all at once as the ball was going out over the boundary line. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, um, he's a freak parfit. He looked really, really good. Um, I was watching. I wasn't watching a whole lot of that game as I had other things on at the time. But every time I looked up at the TV, he seemed to be near the ball or have the ball, or he lined up for a few set shots. Um, he just is a bit of a ball magnet at the moment, and um, I'm glad he did pull this out before it looked like danger signs and um, trading him looked necessary. But um, it's just really good to see those rookies get up. Yeah, and it's another example of why we shouldn't be trading uh, rookies out that are, say, inverted commas, underperforming before they've had their price rise. If they're actually playing, you should really stick to them. And I, I have the same sentiment around Jared Pickett. Yes, he's not setting the world on fire, but he's got a low break even. He's going to be, uh, you know, an M11, an F8 that can just warm the pine and just make you slowly make you money. So there's no point trading out a rookie that is actually playing but has, hasn't made all that much cash yet just to get another rookie in that is just as risky job security um, a couple rookies that did do well on the weekend uh, we've already obviously talked about Will Hoskin Elliott he's still got a, ne- a negative break even of negative uh, 26 um, Dan Butler another fantastic game averaging 80 so far which is uh, well above what I think we expected him for negative uh, 6 break even negative uh, 28 uh, break even Dan Butler uh, fantastic he's, he's already gone up 80k there JB and he had a, a really really fantastic game he Richmond are really, really trying to run the ball quickly this year. And he, just like Will Hoskin earlier, they're using their speed and their their, um, their their kicking skills to advantage. And he's a fantastic rookie. I think he'll be able to make us a, a lot of cash coming uh, coming up to the buyers. Yeah, he's looked fantastic. And like you said, their game style just suits him to a T. Um, he's super efficient with the ball. He makes the right choices for a kid. And he really, really knows where the goals are. So... 
Um, if you were able to start with Dan Butler, and even if you suffered a trade with Dan Butler, um, he's just looked excellent and has already repaid the faith um, with some big scores that I'll see his price go uh, up very, very quickly. Um, Chiso, while we're on the Richmond Tigers, I'd like to just jump back. I think you um, may have overlooked an option for Max Gorn back there. Um, when we're looking at who you'd trade in if you didn't have Nank in the forward line and had to trade a Ruckman in, um, would you trade in Nank? Nank Hervis as your main Ruck. Yeah, and have him solely in, the, um, in that Ruck line. He's averaging like a premium Ruckman, and if you didn't start with him, this could be the perfect opportunity to jump on. Well, obviously, he's put up three tons to start with. He's averaging 115. He's the sole Ruckman, and as long as he's the sole Ruckman, as we say with pretty much everyone, he's definitely going to be scoring well. Um, I think 115 is slightly too much for Nank. I think you'd agree that I'm really only expecting 95 to 100, so there might be a slow little drop-off. But if you are considering a premium Ruckman, I would probably get... With the money that you have with Gorn there, I would feel much more comfortable getting a Grundy uh, in because we know his role. He's done it for a few years. We know he's not injury prone. We know he's he's had the, an absolutely blazing start to the year, had a great back end to last year. He's only going to get better. He's going to get better as Collingwood start to meld with their, their new uh, game style a little bit better. But I, I, if you have that feeling about Nank, uh, absolutely no dramas. I, personally, I would pick Grundy over Nank because you've got all that money sitting there. But if you'd rather go down to Nankervis and, you know, have $200,000 um, left in the bank to be able to upgrade everywhere, go bang, bang this week uh, to fix something up, uh, fix up something else, um, say maybe an O'Meara to uh, a Murphy, to, if you felt so inclined to do that, not saying that I would or suggesting that people should do that, that's definitely one to have a look at. Um, but for me, I think I, would, I think I would feel better losing a, uh, a a big premium ruckman of being able to not fill it with a speculative pick, if that makes sense, JB. Just because um, this year is so tumultuous that I, I would rather have that option that I had penciled in to be my premium all year filled by someone I don't have to worry about potentially moving or trading out later on. Uh, that's just my, my personal opinion. Everyone's going to play the game the way they, they want, but I think if you didn't start with... Uh, start with Nank and you're trading down from Gorn, I think I would rather get another premium in. But again, that's totally dependent on who's playing the game and um, exactly what their their team structure um, is tending to look like. Um, We'll jump back into the forwards there, mate. Um, Brett Eddy, uh, only... uh, only going up a, a couple thousand dollars, uh, $40,000 so far, averaging 49. Break even of negative uh, 35, he's going to be another slow burn. Tia Miles on the, the, on the bubble this week. Positive for his break even, he's only averaging 34. He's not absolutely going fantastic. Jared Pickett, another slow burn. Tim Taranto here, mate. He's an interesting one. For anyone that's still held him, what are your prospects for Tim Taranto? Do you, is, it, is it time to uh, say you, you don't have a, a TMIs or say you're looking at a Will Haywood who's got a negative 61 break-even? Would you consider moving Tim Taranto on who's got a, a positive break-even of nine? It's, it's such a tough one. Um, I said last week, if you're keeping Taranto, you literally were committing to him um, until it was dropped or reached his cap, pretty much. Um, I don't think he's reached his cap, and I, I doubt he'll be dropped this week. So, um, in my opinion, I think you just have to hold him. It's just, 
it's sad because you picked him thinking he's got the job security with Coniglio out and he's at least going to make fast cash because we know what his scoring potential is like. He's ticked all those boxes, unfortunately, except the scoring potential. So um, it's been a bit of a fail for him thus far, but that doesn't mean he can't come out with an 80 or a 90 next week. Um, I'd definitely be holding on to him um, if I had him still. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about some of the MRP news this week. Um, my, the one person I want to talk about is obviously Paddy Ryder with that off-the-ball uh, off hit on Riley Knight. Um, he, it's, a, it's only a one-match suspension, so you wouldn't consider um, a trading him out. But if you've got him in the, uh, the ruck line and you don't have an R3, you don't have that DPP cover... Would you be forced to trade him out to save your donut, or do you just think that you've just got to cop it, take that donut, and move on? Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, it's it's actually a very difficult question. Um, so if I if I did have Ryder, you'd almost be inclined to trade him to Nank, um, just because they both got that DPP um, that you'd start the year with and they both, um, Nankivis has really just outplayed him to start the season. So um, I feel like Ryder's been a touch, he hasn't been an error, but he's, he's not going to average over 100 for the year. Um, as a Port fan, I'm pretty confident of that. Um, so missing this one week might just be the perfect excuse to chuck him uh, towards a informed player especially I mean that's that's only if you don't have cover if you've got Prusi or someone like that on the bench or you can swing uh, Nank into that position and play Butler I'd definitely do that and just bench him for the week but if I was copying a zero and I was concerned about ranking um, I'd definitely just think about uh, cashing my chips and uh, selling on Ryder yeah and uh, trades are worth so much more at the end of the season than at the start everyone thinks oh I've got 30 trades I'm just going to burn through a couple fix this up fix that up and they get to halfway through the season they, they dump 9 or 10 on the, around the buy rounds and they get to the back end they're like you know what I wish I had that one trade left over JB that one trade could I could do this or I could do that and that'll help me get over the line in the grand final or make those extra ranks in the back half so I'd be more inclined to hold him and just kind of cop the donut it's probably not Advice that everyone really wants to uh, wants to hear that they just have to suck up their the donut or something like that. But I'm hoping that those that had Paddy Ryder had him as that DPP in the forward line. We've had a couple um, right into the page to say that that he, he they don't have the cover and he was in their ruck line. So in that in that respect, you know, I think that Nankervis is going to outscore. Paddy Ryder for the year, but we do know that Paddy Ryder is a quality ruckman. A 95 to 100 average isn't out of the question. So, um, worst case scenario, if you can um, open up that DPP cover, say uh, you've got the Fremantle guys, your your R3, you could trade out a, a, an underperforming um, underperforming forward, say a Taranto, get in um, get in uh, uh, um, the, the your R3 uh, loophole into the forward line, keep him at F8 as the loophole, get in say a Wits or someone like that that can cover for that week, something like that. Um, but that, that would be the only option I would say to try and burn that trade. For one week, I really do think you have to hold on to your premium or potential premiums like that. Um, so in that respect, 
Uh, it's very, very, very difficult situation. I've only got a couple more forward line rookies to touch on here, JB. Mitch Hannon, everyone sold the farm to get on a few weeks ago, averaging 53. He's had two poor weeks and he's got a positive break even at 29. He's not going to be making too much cash in the near future. Jack Bowes, He's uh, only averaging 44, and he's got a break-even of 39. So, unfortunately, it looks like uh, the Gold Coast uh, uh, is basically topping out at under 200K, and that's not really what we want as a, a forward-line cash generator that you, after four weeks is basically going to be the same price as what you got him for. Yeah, I'm definitely glad I didn't get Hannon in. Um, I just gave him the extra week, uh, whereas a lot of people got him in after that first big score and then saw him put up the two um, average scores he's done in the last couple of weeks. And as for Bowers, it's just very um, it's very unfortunate, it's, and it's very strange that he's not getting a lot of the appeal, especially in a big uh, win against Hawthorne. So if I wasn't concerned with their two losses and him scoring low, I'd definitely be concerned now that he's scoring low in a massive win. Yeah, and, and that's probably the key factor for me. Okay, mate, the last thing that I want to run through before we uh, finish off uh, this Monday podcast, I want to run through a couple of the uh, the, the Magoos, the reserves players that perform well. We'll start at the uh, alphabetical order. Adelaide, Brad Crouch, absolutely killed it in the uh, the wet weather over in the Sandfall. 40 touches on the weekend. Looks like he'll be coming back into the Adelaide side pretty soon. Yeah, he looked amazing. Um, I know a few people... Unfortunately, I know a few um, Crows fans that I have to deal with on a daily basis, and they were talking him up a lot. So um, I'm not sure who would come out of the side. I think Hampton's fairly safe, especially after last week. Um, He could just replace Cameron. Um, I'm not sure if he got a ban at all there, Chizo. Uh, no, he, he's uh, just got a reprimand. He's a $1,000 sanction for an early uh, guilty plea down from 1500 It makes it almost uh, also difficult there for Harrison Wig. He had another great game running off the halfback and wing for 21 disposals. But if you've got Brad Crouch absolutely killing it, uh, his talent definitely has to come back into the, the AFL team. It makes it even harder for Harrison Wig to try and get in there. Um, then if we're talking about the Collingwood side of things, another one of the rookies that we're, we're keeping an eye on, Matt Scharenberg. He had another head knock, another head head knock for, for Matt Scharenberg and uh, he set out uh, over half of the game um, but he uh, passed a, a concussion test so it'll be interesting to see how much, uh, if he misses any games in the v- uh, VFL or anything like that. Uh, James Stewart, he kicked a, an absolute bag for Essendon against Richmond in the uh, the practice match um, he's definitely one that I've been uh, talking about over the preseason here JB that he could be getting a game um, I'm hoping that he comes a little bit later on in the season as a future downgrade option. So say he comes in uh, round 10, somewhere around there, we can downgrade these butlers and these uh, these uh, eddies you probably have out by that by that stage. We can downgrade to uh, a, a, a James Stewart to uh, to make a bit of cash. Um, we're looking at uh, looking at the Greater Western Sydney side. How did Matt Kennedy go? We were basically on Matt Kennedy watch every week on the podcast there, JB. Yeah, big time, especially yourself. Um, with James Stewart as well, it's interesting to note that that was in a 12-goal um, a thrashing, so um, a bag, although still amazing, um, an amazing effort on his behalf, it does get dampened a little bit by the fact that it was a smashing. And um, news out of Essendon as well is that Myers is actually ready to go but cannot play until round five due to being on the LTI list. Um, so that's that's pretty big news for our rookie stocks as well around round five when um, hopefully no one's topping out by then. But round six or seven when he's on the bubble, that should be huge for us. 
And um, as you originally asked, Matt Kennedy, he's just a supreme talent, isn't he? He just keeps keeps racking it up. Um, he got 36 disposals, which was a game high, laid six tackles, um, and that's just that's just ridiculous. Um, he's one of those players that unfortunately might get stuck in that kneeful um, until someone else has to fall out. It could mean um, Taranto could get looked at, though. What do you reckon, Chizo? It's going to be interesting. Uh, Taranto definitely plays a different role to Matt Kennedy, so I don't think they're a straight swap in any respect. But it is interesting because Matt Kennedy... Uh, uh, had the second most disposals on average in the kneeful all of last year, and it's the second week in a row since he's been dropped that he's had 36, uh, sorry, 30 plus touches and kicked a goal. Um, so he's definitely uh, bashing the door down. Speaking of bashing the door down, it has now swung wide open, and he's got a space on the list uh, courtesy of Max Gorn's injury. Jake Spencer, 30 hitouts, 12 touches, and kicked a goal. Um, in uh, Casey Scorpion's uh, final preseason practice match. He's uh, going to be the ruckman that would come in, you suspect, uh, there, JB, considering he played all the uh, JLTs uh, alongside uh, Max Gorn? Yeah, guaranteed he comes in for Gorney. And to those uh, crazy cats that are potentially thinking of trading him in as an option, just don't. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd definitely look to Wits as a far better option with immediate history right there. Or I'd just look far, far, far higher on the price scale and get in a premium. I wouldn't look at Spencer for a second. Jake Spencer's been around for a long time and he's never really uh, produced numbers that are fantasy selecting worthy. So uh, $236,000, he's basically in no man's land as a, a selecting and we, ha- uh, we have no um, no form to say that he's, he's going to be a, a decent player in uh, uh, you know the AFL level. Um, the last uh, couple um, rookies that I'm going to talk about, Joe Attlee, who was pushing, he, he's been on the emergency list a couple, day, a couple times for uh, Port Adelaide already this season. 23 disposals and 11 tackles. He's really uh, tough on ball. That um, even though his decision making was a little bit lacklustre, he's going to be pushing for a, a, a space soon. And Jasper Pittard did uh, did get through his uh, his first game coming back from a hamstring injury with uh, 16 disposals. It'd be uh, interesting to see who goes out for him next week because uh, uh, the only reason he wouldn't come in is if that they want a little bit more game time before they bring him back in there. JB, what do you think of Jasper Pittard? I think he'll be in. But I do think there are two players below Houston at the moment. So um, I'd say Impey is probably one of them, and um, definitely Carl Amon. They play, they obviously play slightly different roles, but um, our team's very versatile in that we can we can mix it up a lot and just make that. I mean, look at it. We we swapped um, Hartlett out for um, Impey the week before, so. Um, we're very versatile in how we use our players, so I'd say um, those two are a higher chance of falling out, but it also wouldn't shock me if Houston was the unlucky one to get the job. Yeah, fantastic. All right, mate, that pretty much uh, wraps up our Monday podcast. Glad to be on here with you, champion. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, for that, man. And uh, as always, guys, if you do appreciate the podcast, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes because it does make it easier for easier for other super coaches out there to find us and uh, get, get uh, so, some questions answered. And uh, make sure that you hit the cancer co- uh, cancer council donation link up and uh, uh, help us raise money towards cancer. We're we're almost uh, raising two thousand dollars across the last eight. 18 months, which is absolutely fantastic and uh, couldn't be more proud of uh, everyone that's putting in money. And uh, uh, between you and me, JB, I really hope that Zach Jones comes out with another 100-plus score just to see uh, Jack have to put in some more money. 
I'm tempted to make a Sean Higgins bet with someone. Anytime he scores <laughs> over a ton, I'll chuck in tenner. Okay. Uh, but you're so crash hot on Sean Higgins. Surely if he scores under 100, you should be putting in a tenner. No, nah, because they'll be upset and I won't want to donate anything. And, yeah. You don't want the extra punishment. Exactly. It has to be a win-win situation for me. <laughs> All right there, champion. So live on the pod, you heard it there first. Anytime Sean Higgins goes over 100, JB's putting in 10 bucks. Lock it in, Eddie. Pinky swear. I can't really do that through the microphone. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right, community. We'll catch you on the, uh, the Friday podcast. I'll talk to you later, JB. Ciao.